Hey, 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 it's the Ska Dads uh, podcast. I am Bobby Bobson, uh, the host of the show, and I'm actually joined today by Adam um, from the West Coast uh, from a wonderful band called Omnicon. How's it going, Adam? Yes, hello. And I, I, I guess you do, you're involved in quite a few things. You're also uh, one of the co-hosts uh, on the In Defense of Ska podcast. Well, I'm, well. I'm the co-host. Aaron is, Aaron is the host. That's, that's how we delineate uh, who does what. It's his, it's his book, and he, you know, he wanted to start the podcast, so I just went along for the ride. Yeah, how, how did you guys link up? Like, I, I know you guys, you played in a band together, and you guys have just have known yeah, each other Yeah, we went forever. to high school together. Um, I met Aaron in 1992 at a Cure concert, July 4th, 1992. And, uh, we were standing in a group of friends between, between bands, two different groups of friends that went to the show separately met up. And I looked at this dude and I was like, damn, somebody knocked that dude out and not realizing that he has a huge birthmark on his face. And then uh, became really good friends with them after that. And then he played drums in local ska punk band Flat Planet, who were like the band that I kind of glommed onto in high school. And a bunch of my friends joined that band. And then I joined that band briefly. And then through joining that band, I wound up joining Link 80. And uh, oh, it's crazy. Right? Yeah. Like, so, so it's it's crazy in the ska scene how many things are like connected. Like you know someone, and then you know, they have a connection with someone else yeah. and so on and so on. We're all, you know? we're all more interconnected than we think. And it goes beyond, beyond the ska scene, I would say. Yeah. Just, I, well, I think too, like when you're drawn to the ska scene or the punk scene, you, you, it, there's a certain like amount of ethics and values that everyone in that community shares. I mean, sometimes it's different, but I, I kind of feel like I've, I've been in the ska scene and punk scene since my 20s. I'm in my early 40s yeah. now. So it's just, it's just funny how you're drawn to certain people in that scene and they're drawn to you. And, and it's hard to sometimes get out of it, which is a, which is a good thing. You, we need community, right? Yeah, like, I think it's it's better to just, I you know, uh, I hate seeing bands decide to call it quits. You can just take a break. You don't, you can always come back yeah. to doing this. And, uh, I think there's no reason to stop until you physically just can't keep going. My, you know, I thought 40 was super old when I was a kid. Now I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel yeah. old at all. So now I'm thinking like, okay, maybe 70 and 80 won't even feel that old. I know 90 feels definitely feels yeah. old because I've you know watched my grandparents. But uh, I have friends that are in their 60s and 70s and they're still still functional, you know, creative people. Yeah, I think it's too. I think it's like you know, you're as old as you feel. Like if you act like 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 someone might, you know, if you act like someone in your sixties, you're gonna feel sure. like in your sixties too. I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. And uh, I'm I'm really into uh, in the past few years, I've gotten really into like mm-hmm. yoga. Like, and that's something that um, you know, the one guy that I, that I do his workouts, he's like in his sixties, and it's crazy. Like he doesn't seem yeah. like he's in his sixties and. It's all in like, you know, how you feel and, and just, you know, the energy you present and, you know, live. What, your life what around, drew you, you know? to doing yoga? Um, I, I think it was, I was in, I'm a teacher, like in my mm-hmm. full-time job. Um, so I was doing a lot of mindfulness stuff and, 
the mindfulness stuff was something I was drawn to. And um, the program I do is actually, it's it's kind of uh, marketed to guys. It's like, guys, like it started out as like a guys yoga program, but it's kind of morphed and changed over yeah, time. Yeah, broga. Yeah. Well, it's 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 actually it's actually run by a I don't know if you, are, are you a wrestling fan at oh, all. Oh, so it's it's like, uh, Diamond Dallas Dave is that the guy? Yeah, Diamond Page, Dallas Page uh, Yoga, I, and it's yeah, it's a really cool community. It's like you know not and like only about half of the people are like wrestling fans. Everyone else is just like regular dudes and people. And um, I actually know know someone in the area that does it. And I work out with him like two or three times a week. Excellent. Yeah, cool. that's rad. Yeah, I've heard cool I've heard good things about that. Yeah. Did you so yeah. did you get were you into like, wrestling I mean, then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They say that ska and wrestling are the only true two true forms of art, so Yeah, I got that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I saw someone make a they made a hat about it and then, then it turned into a shirt and now it's like a whole like it's a mindset. whole a whole thing. There's a guy that actually goes to wrestling events that hangs out that um hangs up this like we're all connected through reggae sign. Like, <laughs> no, I don't know if you've, seen, if you've ever seen that, but he goes to all these wrestling events and he gets people to, you know, it's like a, of the, has the Jamaican colors on the, on the pattern sign he makes. And he gets people to stand next to him and takes photos. And it's a whole social wow. media thing. But I, I, it's funny how that, you know, those worlds can combine in kind of like weird, wacky yeah. ways. I'd say, I'd say you also then, could you know, go with a, uh, we're all interconnected through the guy in the banana costume. There's always, yeah, there's always that's one. That's true too. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of cool. Like like you and Aaron have known each other that long, and with you guys doing the podcast, like what's something you really t- get out of it? Like you guys have been doing it for. A couple I think of we years both now, just right? really like talking to people. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. extroverted in real life, and uh, we like hearing all these stories from people that we admire, or even I especially enjoy stories from artists that I don't know anything about, learning something new. And uh, it's a nice way for Aaron and I to keep in touch. Aaron lives up in Sacramento. So we've actually seen each other a fair amount recently because uh, we, through In Defense of Ska, we keep getting put on guest lists for really good shows. I just had to turn down a spot on the Aquabats Agrilites show, um, which would have been really fun. But my wife had tickets to uh, Les Mis that night. So had to stay home with the kids. Yeah, sometimes you got to... Yeah, you got to make those make those uh, sacrifices. Yeah. Um, I I really one of the last episodes I listened to pretty much all the way through. I, I listen I listen to all the ska podcasts because I think if I'm doing a ska podcast, yeah. I might as well you know listen to see what everyone else is doing. And I really enjoyed like the episode uh, with Fred Armisen. I thought that was yeah, really cool that was episode. especially cool. I mean, he's a he's at a level where we weren't even sure we'd be able to get him. And then he was super cool about coming on. We kind of had to be on call because his schedule was kind of crazy. But uh, yeah. he made it happen. And then once he was on the call, he let us have him for as long as we needed. And, you know, at one point we had technical issues and he worked through that with us. And then we asked if we could do a little bit extra for our Patreon. And he was like, sure, I'm here for whatever you guys want to do. And he's like, the only thing I need to do today is eat at some point. So that was, that was it. So I, I think also he was really stoked to talk about um, like touring in a, in a punk band, as opposed to talking about Portlandia or uh, his comedy stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, because I, I'm, I'm sure he goes on all these press tours and he's probably being interviewed all day by different people and to talk about, you know, punk rock and ska and is, is something he doesn't get to like kind of go down. Yeah, and that guy with. really loves music. I don't know if you've ever seen his uh, stand-up comedy, but the whole reason I wanted to have him on the show was I, I went and saw him uh, right in that kind of lull between after things opened up after the pandemic and when things kind of shut down again he played a show in Oakland and it was great. And he did a whole bunch of really intelligent jokes about ska that I thought were awesome. And I was like, man, it'd be so great if we get this guy on the show. So we did it. I'm really stoked. He was somebody who'd, you know, I kind of didn't know how much of a chance there was. And not only do we have him on, but he was really cool. Well, that's cool. So do you have anyone else on your list of people that you're like, if you could interview anyone that's, you know, that's still around today, uh, related in the ska field or punk field? Is there, I mean, you, you have, yeah, I mean, related yet? to him, I'd like to get, we'd like to get Carrie Brownstein, um, the other half of Portlandia because, uh, Aaron and I are both huge Sleater Kenny fans. So getting to talk to her, I'm sure she has some sort of, uh, relationship to ska, either just through playing punk music or uh, through Portlandia because they definitely had ska jokes on there. Yeah, and that's kind of like, I, I don't know, like listening to the other ska podcasts, like, I, I feel like our, our show, we dig really into like the ska scene. Sometimes we'll have episodes focused on records, producers, but I think I think the way you guys do your show, it's just, you, you get, you find the ska connection with people that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, there's some of the guests you have people on from I know you just did an episode with Freddie Ryder mm-hmm. from New York ska jazz ensemble but then you also have someone that wouldn't necessarily like um like having Ted Leo on or yeah. someone that's you know has a ska little ska background or a ska connection but isn't necessarily someone that comes to your mind when you I think mean of ska, I, yeah you know? I think that's what kind of makes it interesting to us is that everybody does have a connection through ska and ska is this kind of often maligned genre that should sit right alongside punk and hardcore and all the other, you know, subgenres. just because people maybe didn't like a couple of the third wave bands. That's no reason to, you know, throw it all out. There's lots of good stuff out there. And I feel like it's, it's like the thing that people who smoke weed say where they're like, Hey man, if you don't like it, you just haven't found the right strain yet. That's coming from the straight edge guy. But, uh, I I feel like there's a ska bound out there for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think now, like not to steal your phrase now more yeah. than ever, right? Like, uh, you know, like just international, like so many people, uh, so many people doing like ska, like, like bands all over the world in Mexico, South America, Spain. Um, I'm having a friend on, uh, to talk about Scandinavian ska in like a few weeks. Nice. So, it's kind of crazy how, how international and, and, you know, still being, you know, the music coming out of Jamaica music, people doing all different things in the U S like mm-hmm. you guys, you know, representing bad time uh, records, which you've done with Omnigon, like, you know, it's so much different stuff out there now for everyone. And it's, and well, it's and really I should cool. also just backing up just slightly, uh, ska now more than ever. We stole that. That's, that's save Ferris. They had that first. Yeah, I remember I, I heard the yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about that on, on an episode. I just gotta give give credit where credit's due. We we picked it up and ran with it, but they're they're the originators. You guys have shirts and everything. They did too. No, we too, just 
made yeah. shirts also. Yeah. And banners and yeah. stickers. And now people have tattoos of it. It's really, really crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I, I, I heard um, Aaron, I actually, his next book is going to have something, you know, it's going to be yes. using that phrase. It's the, bit, it's right? the, the yeah. uh, second edition of his book is the expanded edition. So he's added content to it and it's going to be called the ska now more than ever edition. One of the reasons we talked about having you on, like you said, you went to talk about, you know, being a yeah. ska dad and that's something, you know, we, we've done a couple episodes with uh, kind of early on in the show, but we haven't really come back to it too much. So we do it here and there. But like, I don't know, what, what is your um, feeling about being a ska dad? Like, I mean, I've it? got, I've got a lot of thoughts on it. Um, I mean, we can, we should start at the beginning. Like I never thought I would be a dad straight up. I didn't think I'd be alive at this age. So there's that too. But aside from that, I never, I never expected to be a dad. Not, not that it wasn't planned, but just in my twenties, I was like, mm, do I, you know? And got married and had kids. And I'll say from a very young age, I played ska around my kids. So if anybody's thinking about starting a family or has a kid on the way or has a little one, don't give in to listening to crappy music. Don't listen to kids' music. Just put on some ska. It's totally okay. It's not going to hurt your kid to listen to the actual versions of the songs. You don't need to listen to the the weird twinkly rockabye music versions of rockabye rock or whatever it's called. Just put on the specials. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a daughter. I have, I have a daughter and she's, she's about to turn 11 and I, we played all different kinds of music for her. And there came a point when she was probably like mm-hmm. one, one and a half that the only song uh, we could play for her to go to sleep was a uh, cold play like Levita like the, the yeah. song with strings, like the it's on the radio, but she was obsessed with that song. And it's, you know, and, and we, pl- we played all kinds of music, uh, you know, her mom and I um, around her and exposed her to different stuff now. And she's like, you know, she knows, she knows bands like the slackers and her mom's a huge classic rock fan. So she can, she, she can identify songs better than, than most people her at, you know, being around 10, we'll be putting on something on the radio and, and something on, you know, my, my phone or something. And she knows, she knows the artist. She's like, Oh, this is a ska song. This is a reggae song. This is, you know, it's funny what kids. Yeah. Up I mean, start them, start them young. My, my kids were in the car with me the, the other day and on shuffle, the special song Friday night, Saturday morning came on and they were both just like, Oh, this guy's voice is awesome. And I was like, yeah, he's, he yeah. just passed away. And they're like, Oh, that's so sad. You know? And then my, my youngest always likes to ask, was he a nice person? I go, I think he was. I think he was okay. Out of bed at 8 a.m. Out my head by half past ten. Out with mates and dates and friends. That's what I do at weekends. I can't talk and I can't walk. But I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to watch my money go. Flashing lights, moving legs 
wasn't necessarily brought up in like a musical family. Like not everyone in my house played music, but they were, they all listened to music and that those memories, like, you know, I, I don't have my grandparents around anymore, but the time I spent with them listening to music, like knowing the artists that they liked and exposing that to me, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a close memory that I, you know, hold on to this day. And it's, that's, that's why I think exposing kids to music, music mm-hmm. you like, that's, that stuff's important and you shouldn't have to like sugarcoat it and PG, yeah. you know, like I think it's important to talk about music and, you know, it's an important skill to be able to talk and listen. And I think listen and enjoy music and have kids say, you know what? I like music and my daughter uses it to calm down. She's a lot of like anxiety mm-hmm. and, and gets anxious and she uses music to kind of like calm down. That's like something that yeah. helps her. Yeah. So, there's, I mean, yeah. Music's music's great. There's, there's no reason to, to dumb it down. Uh, the worst thing that's going to happen when a kid listens to a song is maybe they'll hear a swear word. And really, is that that bad? As long as you explain how to use those words and who not to say them around, it's not going to hurt them. It's just a word. Oh, well, some of the some of the stuff I wanted to ask you too, like how do you think being like a parent or a dad has changed like the way you approach music? No, if anything, it's made me uh, lean in a little bit more to the kind of more like hardcore punk aspects of playing music. Um, recently, they had a, a school concert, um, my son's school, and it just happened to overlap with us playing a show in Sacramento the night before with half past two. And so since my whole band was going to be in town already, I was like, you guys want to go play the elementary school picnic thing. And so, you know, we played right between a bunch of bluegrass and, uh, you know, little kids singing twinkle, twinkle, little star. We did three songs from our set and played them exactly how we play them. Like, and the cool thing about it was while it was loud and like weird, um, I feel like it resonated with a lot of the kids. We got them up on stage and they all did the gang vocals for a song called burn it down with us, which I think was maybe kind of shocking to their parents to see them all screaming for, you know, the downfall of, you know, everything bad in society. And then, you know, there were adults there who were the same age as me. So they, they grew up going to Gilman. And so them hearing, a, yeah. you know, a new band, there's one guy who was, you know, cooking hot dogs for everybody. And my wife, my wife heard him just freak out and be like, oh my God, this sounds exactly like my teenage years. Like he had never heard of us and he was stoked. So. Oh, that's awesome. And, and you actually like the opposite of that also happened, right? Like your son joined you guys up on stage and. and yeah. He, he got too. up on stage with us at Gilman. He really, he's just turned 10. Um, so he was nine at the time, but he's really enjoyed going to Gilman. Um, he really likes the little skank pit that happens. Uh, everybody's really cool about making sure that, you know, they're not clobbering him and, you know, and just make sure he wears hearing protection and comes to the show with me and uh, got him up on stage and let him do the song with us. And it, he had a great time. And I, I feel like uh, he just gets more and more comfortable behind the mic. Uh, we did a family summer camp uh, this last summer and there was a talent show and, there was a lull in the talent show where they were trying to figure out the sound and he just got up and did like five minutes of stand up. And the jokes were wow. so weird because he's nine. The jokes <laughs> were made no sense. And kids, he, he was yeah. killing like kids were losing their minds. And I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now, but he's, he's crushing this audience. And then yeah, he yeah. went to another summer camp for uh, 
how to start a band. And they put together a little band and he half emceed the show and then performed a song with his band. And it was great. Like I was wow. like totally blown away by, you know, just his uh, ability to just get up in front of an audience and, you know, put on a show. Yeah. I, I think too, uh, that's, that's really cool. I mean, like, do you see, like, I I'm sure when he, some of that, I'm sure you, you see part of yourself in that, right? Like, Oh a little bit, yeah, like, definitely. And <laughs> the yeah. good and the bad, like, uh, you know, if he gets yeah. frustrated easily or, or angry about something, I definitely have to take the blame for that too. Like <laughs> he definitely got that from my, from my genetics, but uh, definitely the, the, uh, outgoing part, and the uh, comfort behind a mic in front of people that, you know, I can take credit for that, I think. Now, now, like, do you think, like, I I know you mentioned you didn't think it changed, like, the way you approach music, but, like, being a Mm -hmm. father, has it changed or given you, like, a different perspective when it comes to, like, songwriting? Like, do 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 you, is it, was it easier to see your, I, like, I, I guess a lot of the songs on the new album, like, did that kind of um i don't know did, did any of that stuff as a, as a father or parent change you because I, I i think in myself i think when i had my daughter i was i was playing in a lot of bands and i took some time and mm-hmm. stepped back a little bit and when i came back to doing it a few years later i i had more passion about it but i also i think it helped me be a better person in some ways having having yeah. a daughter it made me I, 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 I gained different perspective on things. I think, yeah, I'm know? more, I'm better about budgeting my time now. Um, before, yeah. when I was playing music kind of more full time, um, you know, Link 80 and then the band after Link 80 Dessa, both those bands practiced three hours a day, three days a week. And it was kind of a grind. And then we would play every single weekend, at least. In Dessa, was you know we were playing every single weekend, and then in Link Eighty, we were on tour eight months out of the year because we were all young, and that was just what you did. You just toured and toured and toured, and never record. And now, now to the point where if I'm getting together with other musicians, like I feel like I practice more in the last couple months, um, just because we've been playing kind of more one-off type shows. But usually. Um, I'd rather be getting together to record than practice or be getting together to practice, to record. So Barry and I, um, Barry plays bass in the band. He's a dad too. His kids are pretty well grown though. At this point though, he's got a kid in their twenties and another one in their teens. And we've gotten really good about recording demos at home and then sending those back and forth so that we already know what we're going to do. And then the weirdest thing is we just played a couple shows with a bunch of songs off the new record. 
And it was the first time we were actually playing those songs in a room with other people, like the full song, because when we recorded them, you know, you're just recording guitar, bass, drums, and then overdubbing overdubbing the vocals. And this was the first time playing it as a band. And it was really surreal to hear these songs that we had just made on our laptops all of a sudden, like happening in a room for the first time. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing about like music and how it's changing, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, you know, like, like I, I think I, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Against All Authority and they were talking about how they, you know, that they don't really practice as a full band. They just, you know, especially during when they started getting back together, they just did everything off of like yeah. Zoom and, you know, some of those other programs uh, playing and performing. Yeah, and their, their drummer works for, um, and, works for Sweetwater. So he has all the gear to like, so they can all set up remotely because they all live all over. And so they, they yeah. do actually practice a lot, but um, they're able to, you know, just go down to their little shed wherever they have their gear set up and everybody puts on headphones and has microphones set up. And I guess it sounds like band practice and you can even like adjust your own levels, yeah. which is That's so way surreal, better than, right? than being about, in, like... a, in a practice space or having to you know drive several hours to get to practice. Yeah, yeah. I just thinking about like um, um, when I was active in, in in a band and stuff, like getting everyone together is like the hardest yeah. thing. It's like you know, can you do this day? Can you do that day? Can you do six? You can't do six. You have to do nine. Can, can everyone else do? Nine? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. But that's the one good thing about like you know, I think the direction the way technology is being utilized. Like we're trying to find ways to. You know, people of all ages that are playing music are trying to find ways to manage yeah. that a little bit better and make it more. Well, and then you and then you throw in because not everyone has throw like, in the extra. When you're in your twenties, you have a whole day, you know, to yep. practice or perform, whatever. But as you get older, you have others. Yeah, shit. I mean, you throw in the extra level of, of having kids. And right now, you know, before I jumped on here, I made my kids dinner, and my wife is in in the backyard working out with a personal trainer, so she'll finish that and then. There's food in there for her. And then I'll get off of this and then Ollie. And then it'll be time to get these kids to sleep and I'll have to fold a couple loads of laundry and wash a couple loads of laundry and get everything ready for the next day. And so it's like constantly, constantly going, but then also having to make time to like connect with people and take care of yourself. Because I could very easily just stay up until two in the morning and be busy nonstop yeah. but that's not healthy so been trying to get myself to sleep by like 10 30 11 recently and uh man i had a late night the other night we played a little show in oakland i was up till 2 30 so dumb whole songs on your new album that i thought that kind of hit on like the whole mental health aspect too like you guys just released this album this is like mm-hmm. your second album on bad times it's called against the rest and um yeah, I mean, you want to maybe talk talk about that? Like, did, were there any songs that you thought that kind of speak to like the mental health? Because I I, I, I noticed it was kind of a theme. What, at least what stuck out to you? Well, I think no more mm-hmm. looking back. Like that song, even though it's like a really upbeat sounding song, like um, it seems like it it definitely seemed to address like getting older in the punk or ska mm-hmm. or ska punk scene, you know. And um, it seems like you know. I don't know. To me, it seems like, you know, people are people excuse like being jaded in for people in their 20s and teenagers. They're, you know, that, that seems to be a word they're mm-hmm. thrown about 
you know, that's thrown around a lot for people in their twenties, not so more so much as older people, but I, I don't know if that did any of those things were any of those things crossing your mind when um, you wrote for that, that song for that one specifically, I think it was kind of about yeah. um not not letting yourself just think that you're always gonna be right. Um that mm-hmm. As we're aging, it's okay to like reassess how you move through the world and, and how your actions affect other people and how your, your thoughts, uh, what you've learned maybe was incorrect and it's okay to reassess that and, uh, move forward. So the song I was talking about mental health was flip the magnet. That was. The oh one. yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah, definitely that song's about, you know, staying positive and, and uh, you know, not just, uh, not just staying uh, in, in your coma, not, not staying hidden away and uh, allowing yourself to just wallow. So there's a funny thing about that song too. It's, it's kind of two, two things. It's, it's about, you know, staying positive and, um, the other thing it's about is this cult that I belonged to, uh, called the latitude, um, which is a lot of what, what kind of the, the, the name Omnigon even comes from that experience. Um, it, so here's the funny thing about the latitude. It was meant to be like a diversion, like a, like a fun game sort of thing. Um, there's a, there's a documentary about it that I'm in called in bright axiom. And, it was an invite only fake secret society in San Francisco where you would go have these kind of like otherworldly experiences that were like curated. Um, and it was really cool and really fun. And there a lot of really sweet people were involved in it. Um, unfortunately to create something like that costs a ton of money and the person who built it invested or they didn't build it. Excuse me. The person who put down the money to, have this thing built by artists uh, put about $2 million into it. And then it didn't turn a profit because there wasn't really a turnstile medium for it. Um, or there wasn't a way to like make it, make it financially viable. So eventually it, it closed down, but it was a real fun experience and it really kind of um, would have turned into a real cult. I'm sure if it had been able to stick around, um, so it's probably good that it shut down, but, um, yeah. a lot of the iconography and 
uh, a lot of the stuff in the song flip the magnet is directly related to the latitude um there's a part in the latitude oh, where cool. there's this guardian or gatekeeper called quas and he he says flip the magnet and uh that that saying always just kind of stuck with me and i was like oh yeah flip the magnet like you know flip it around and and stay positive and the whole idea of like you know a horseshoe you know you can't hang it upside down you have to hang it right side up and yeah. um there's a bunch of other lines in there that just kind of point to little things from the latitude time to wake up start today come out So, so can I ask you a little bit more about sure. like the latitude? Was it like like H.P. Lovecraft, like kind of? It like, was. Um, was, it, was it? So there was a thing in in San Francisco called Games of Nonchalance, which was an ARG, an alternate reality game, and it was run by the same yeah. people, and that lasted from like two thousand two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. And there's a documentary about that also called The Institute, and that was super fun. Um, lots of like kind of deep, meaningful experiences in that too. And then the next thing that they decided to do was the latitude and it was set up as like a clandestine secret society where they had a whole fable about how it came about. And, uh, it was just like this kind of extra layer, <clears throat> of a world on top of our world. So like things that are totally mundane in the latitude, you would see special significance in them. So like, you know, that, you know, the shape of a hexagon, six sided shape. Usually it's like the flat sides are at the top and bottom, but if you turn it, the points are at the top and bottom. And the logo for the latitude was this, uh, hexagon and now anywhere I go where I see a hexagon where the points are at the top and the bottom I I think about the latitude and and in that world the latitude would have been the shadow the shadow group behind that thing and that's why the logo would be that way so it was just kind of a fun uh, diversion a fun thing to think about and then it all went away, but I still think about it a lot. 
<laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, there's some podcasts that uh, I, that this is kind of like, you know, some of that stuff kind of reminds me of. Like, I don't know if you ever checked out like yeah, rabbits. Yeah, it's similar to um, that. I the only thing I didn't like about rabbits was, um, I feel like it's real hard to get the voice acting thing right on podcasts. People try to sound nonchalant. Yeah. And the same thing with the the black tapes, yeah. Tannis, all that stuff, the Pacific Northwest, uh, those kind of themed shows. Yeah, like, I love the, love the I, idea. I agree with you. Yeah, it sounds. It also all of it sounds. Yeah, all of it sounds like you know they pay these people to to do it. And um, yeah, you're right. It does sound ingenuine. Like, but I think during COVID, I really got into listening to those because I had so much, you know, so much extra yeah. time that uh, you kind of go down those those rabbit holes and check this you know that yeah stuff and i mean I, I love a puzzle i love a good escape room it's something that uh we try to do a lot when we travel um if we have free time before yeah. a show we go to a escape room have you ever done an escape room before bob i i have yeah but they actually uh we do a lot of like fun things like that for our school like uh usually the, the first day our uh, we come back together they, they want to do this you know the team yeah. building stuff and so we, we've done an escape room and it's funny to see like, you know, teachers who are, most of them are like type yeah. A, <laughs> like struggle with activities like this and get really frustrated. They can't, our team, uh, we, we almost got out, but then someone wasn't cooperating with everyone else. And then we, we ended up not getting out in time, but, uh, we had a lot of, we had a lot of people that were real, we were all really close, but then, you know, you need a, you need a good team to kind of like battle it out and, and get through some of those challenges so we, we were like two minutes behind yeah so if we had it maybe an extra like two or three minutes we would have we would yeah you it. always got to have somebody keeping keeping track of the time and then you have yeah. to have somebody who's gonna try to look at it from a different perspective because you can have everybody still hyper focused on a on a clue that they're thinking like oh this is the only way that we could possibly solve this and then when you step back, you realize like, oh wait, it's something completely different. So, yeah, I think uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Had the best. I don't know if you've ever, if you're a fan of that show, but they they get stuck in an escape room and they actually get stuck in oh, an actual nice. room because of their numbskullness. Uh, but yeah, that's it, it. Whenever I think of escape rooms, I think of that episode of that show because because it was like hilarious because it was like oh my, and they hit on all those points about about them, but. It, I, I think it's cool. They're, they've, uh, they're still around. Like I thought they were going to be a thing of the past, but they, there's, you still see them everywhere. And I think it's cool that something about them, people like it. People like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite? Like is it- a couple of my favorites um, in San Francisco? There's a uh, escape games, which I think is a franchise, but it's super high quality. One of my favorite rooms they had was called the playground. And it's like set up like an elementary school. And you're trying to get out to recess. It was, so it's not the regular sort of like you're trapped in a jail cell yeah, or yeah. you're in like a, the killer's lair or something creepy. It was all like really bright and fun. And then there's another place in Sacramento called Enchambered um, that has just super high quality escape rooms. Um, we've done, I think, three of the four they have or four of the five. Um, the guy that puts all the rooms together there is like a kind of like a Disney engineer type nerd. Like he's looked, he's like looked all this stuff up about how to build certain things because Disney's really secretive about like all their tricks of the trade, like how to make fake rocks and stuff like, you know, the outside of the Matterhorn. 
So that that was another really good one. Um, we've done some really crummy ones too, which I won't put those ones on blast. But uh, the thing I'll say is, even the bad ones, like they're still fun. Like solving clues with your friends and like escaping a, a puzzle is is always fun. Yeah, that's and that's pretty cool about like you know in Omnigon you talked about like the name has that yeah. connection to. You, you know to the word to the word itself and and you even took like you know i i heard when you explained it too you even used like a, one of the letters as the font from like link 80 yeah so kind of yeah that connects, was connects your past with your present, that was that was right? something when when we first started doing the band like we had recorded three songs um barry and i and then the singer from link 80's younger brother reese played drums um, mm-hmm. and we just did these, I had some free studio time, so we went and recorded and I couldn't think of what I wanted to call it, but, and I wanted it to be something that connected it to link 80 in some small way at least. And so I had this like yeah. sheet that I was writing things down on. And then Omnigon was just the one that caught for me, like that kind of lightning bolt moment because I, I was like, oh, I can use the zeros from the link 80 font and throw those in there. Yeah. Um, since you know the link link eighty, the logo for link eighty is an actual typewriter. Like, it's not it's not a font that somebody pulled from somewhere. Like they made all that stuff by hand. Matt, Matt Bettinelli used to do all the layout stuff. The guitarist before me, who's now a um, Hollywood yeah. producer, did the new Scream movies and Ready or Not. Um. Oh wow. He's great. Um. But so yeah, he's the one who did that on like his grandma's typewriter. And the, the zero just happened to double. That's crazy to think to think like I, I just think of the days when we were screen printing shirts for my like high school ska band I was in and I just remember you know th- those those simple things now of like um you know I, I can't imagine using a typewriter to to make the shirt or patch or press you know like it's crazy how how things have changed so much right like it's even hard to screen print shirts like I know a couple people that still do it but it's it's almost like you have to be dedicated to yeah, that. Yeah, the layout I did for then, No Faith for the liner, I actually used uh, a typewriter that I borrowed from a friend who lived down the street. Uh this guy Doss who's a um a noise music composer. Uh he <laughs> he had a typewriter and so I went down and borrowed his typewriter and typed out all the lyrics to that record and then cut them up and made a layout by hand. And that's the thing too, is I feel like, you know, I spend, I have a job doing graphic design um, and marketing and it's so easy to just move stuff around in Photoshop and I'm really fast with it, but there's something really special about just doing it all by hand and gluing it in. And uh, 
I feel like no matter how good you are at Photoshop, it'll, if you're going for like the cut and paste aesthetic, you'll never be able to beat like just actually cutting and pasting it. Yeah. I, I um, used to do a scazine, so I used to sit down and, and do that. And, you know, I, I still have all of them from high school. And to just see how I, like, I, I didn't even have a typewriter. I actually used a word processor and would just yeah. cut it out and then cut all the pictures. Photo, all the pictures were photocopied. And I remember doing an interview with the Dropkick Murphys through mail. Like, yeah. You know, like, how weird of a way to interview, like, you know, like, I don't even know if, people in their 20s would even understand that like to write a letter to a band and to have the band write like uh their bass player uh uh, ken wrote back like a five-page letter answering all the questions it was like crazy to like do stuff like that i did a i did a zine interview once for link 80 where i was just i had gone to see some bands playing some kids recognized me and they wanted to do an interview but it was so loud at the show that they couldn't really so they they found some paper plates and a and a marker or a pen and just wrote questions on the paper plates and then they would just hand them to me and I would write my answer. <laughs> so they had like this stack of paper plates at the end. And then they turned awesome. that into the zine. Yeah, like that's that stuff's so cool. And there's actually a guy from LA um named Colin Giles. I don't know if you know him, but he he started doing an LA uh zine. Uh, a few years ago that you order he puts it up on his band camp and it's all about the la ska mm-hmm. scene and it's uh it's all photocopied stuff and it's like it's really cool to see that it's like i every anytime he posts like a new issues out i like go to band camp and support it so it's like this yeah. is so awesome like there's more people need to be doing that like and i i guess people consume stuff differently too now like like getting a zine and stuff i, I don't know how people would consume it in 23 like 2023 now i think it would have to be maybe some kind of digital thing i, I don't know if the paper people connect well i have, i have a couple friends actually yeah. from the um they were also in the latitude uh carolee and, and uh daniel they they do a patreon zine called frequent zine and every month if you sign up for the yeah. patreon at like the four or five dollar tier they mail you a zine that they made that month and and it's a little oh, like cool. it fits in an envelope so it doesn't take up a ton of room and you get this fun little piece of mail once a month rather than just bills. And the, and they're always all different. <laughs> and my favorite one they did recently, we, we all went and saw The Cure and they made a zine while we were at the concert um, where they just oh, were wow. writing on pieces of paper and drawing on pieces of paper like between bands or uh, during the band. And one of the, my favorite things in the whole zine, there was this 21-year-old little goth girl who came over and was like hey can there's these guys over there that are bothering me can can i stand with you and my friend daniel was like yes like immediately no questions you're like you're part of our group now and so this sweet little goth girl uh stood stood with our group and just watched the whole cure show and at one point we handed her the the tablet you know with paper and said like hey write something down about your experience and she wrote down uh I've been listening to The Cure since I was a child. My parents used to play The Cure for me uh, to help me go to sleep at night, and I wish they were here. Oh my and God. it was like the sweetest thing, and she was like the cutest yeah. kid ever, just like little like, you know, she looked stereotypical goth girl, like red lipstick, bo- black bob haircut, fishnets, tights, little black dress, and she's just crying the whole show. 
just having the best time, just like wow. so into it. And all of us got choked up when we read what she wrote and it was just like so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, and that's crazy. Like I, I love having those experiences with music, you know, like people, I, I, I think that was one of the best things to me even now is to go see a band that I haven't seen before or haven't seen in many years. Like it's almost like a religious yeah. experience, you know, like for people. And that's, that's the awesome thing about music. And, and actually that brings me sure. to a question I had too, about another song on the album. Um, there was a song you did with, um, Oh, with Jay Navarro yeah. on it called Communities and Collaboration. And it, it, I, I'm sure, does it speak to like the Bay Area? Like what, what some of the meaning? So the, the kind of idea behind the song is just uh, the idea that we're all in this together. And I think you'll see a lot um, online. People are constantly having to ask for uh, mutual aid uh, assistance because we don't have good health care here. And... Yeah. Um, matter of fact, our, our uh, sometimes saxophone player Emily, who also plays with We Are the Union and uh, Poindexter, who just put out a record, they uh, have been having issues with their teeth and had to finally just be like, "Look, I, I have these insane bills for my dentistry. Please help me out." So, part of the idea of that song is around that, and just the idea that, um the you know the rich people out there who deserve to be taxed um we're coming for them eventually you know eat the rich that's one yeah. of the things that keeps coming up over and over again in, in kind of some of the quote unquote new tone bands um this concept yeah. of you know eat the rich feed the kids cuz it's not really fair for people to have that that amount of wealth without kicking some of it back into the community and then just getting to have Jay on the song was so sick. No time And we had we had Jer and Emily uh, up with us for half the set, and then whenever whenever he was up for it, Ume would jump up with us too, because uh, Ume Ume actually played our first show ever, um, with like one practice and no notice. He is an incredible. I mean, all three of them are incredible horn players. I was so jealous watching all the East Coast uh, Bad Time Records shows happen because everybody was doing my like my favorite thing where they were all getting on stage together and, you know, doing different weird things. Britt was coming out with, with a bad operation and singing, wearing like one of the coveralls every night. It looked like M and Jer and, and Ume were getting up on top of things and playing their horns together. And then they were closing the show with a, an op Ivy cover where like everybody was getting on the stage at the same time. 
that's yeah. that's kind of my favorite thing about um the whole bad time Records scene right now is that we all like legitimately enjoy doing stuff together and, and playing music together on on our leg of the tour uh food couldn't make it to a couple of the shows from kill lincoln so i was singing his part on uh ignorance is bliss so i got to go up and do that that every night and that was really fun how how did you link up with bad times <laughs> um mike lives on the other side of town here in alameda and we both go to the same gym and he i had met him at asian man records 20 year anniversary i think but i was real busy running all over the place so brent just kind of introduced me really quickly and i was like oh hey what's up didn't think anything of it and then i just saw this guy with tattoos uh wearing an asian man records shirt at the gym and so i just went over and was like hey what's up like and and he was like oh yeah and i was like that's a cool shirt and he's like thank you and i was like yeah, I was in Link 80. And he was like, oh. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess you didn't like Link 80, maybe. Okay, bye. <laughs> and it turned out that he answered that way because he was kind of shocked like that somebody from like a band that he actually cared about was like living in town and going yeah. to the same gym as him. So we just reconnected through that. And then when we recorded all the stuff for No Faith, Brent uh, asked me what my plan was with it. And I was like, I don't know, just put it out online for free, I guess. And he's like, you should think about putting it out with bad time. I was like, what do you want to do that? And meanwhile, he's texting Mike on the other side going, Hey, we just recorded all this rad stuff. Uh, you should put it out. And, and he was like, Oh, do you think Adam would want to do that? So it was kind of like this funny thing where we were both kind of thinking the other person wouldn't want to do it. And then he heard all the songs and he was into it and put it out. Yeah, I mean, were you guys, what release was that? It was like one of their early releases too, right? Yeah, it was one of the first, like, one of the first ones, like maybe the first like five or six. I can't remember what the catalog number is, but um, it's early, early, early. And the funny thing too is we've since gotten that record remastered, so we'll eventually repress it. Um, It sounds, the version that's up on Spotify is considerably quieter than literally every other bad time release that's interesting right like yeah uh, that's well i i was just wondering too because it's kind of interesting to me like because i i know i i knew mike when he lived in dc Mm -hmm. and when kill lincoln kind of when they first started we played a couple shows with them and then you know i got involved in other stuff and i i saw them growing and growing and then they started doing these tours and then he moved to la and i was like oh i wonder if the band's going to continue and it actually it was probably the best decision he made to, to probably leave DC and, you know, do the stuff in California, which made him start like the record label. And it's, it's crazy how much it's grown. And that whole, like the whole bad times, new tone scene is just, it's just something that, uh, you know, I think it's given a, a spark and a creative energy to a lot of younger people mm-hmm. and, and experienced people too, but it's, it's created excitement about, about Scott that I think was kind of missing. I th- and I'd said something earlier about how I, you know, don't like when bands break up, like just take a break. And I feel like kill, kill Lincoln is like the perfect example of that. Mike could have moved away and just broken up the band and that would have been it. Yeah. I feel like they came back so much stronger by having like just some space and some time 
And so when they when they finally came out with Can't Complain, I think Mike was kind of floored by the reception for it. Like, you know, I, I think he knew it was a good record, but I don't think he knew how much it would resonate with people. And I, I think a big part of that was just taking a step back and not just relentlessly touring and relentlessly pushing, like having some breathing room, letting people live their lives, coming back together, coming back to something you love and putting, putting your energy into it. And yeah, then it I mean, it's interesting. People. Like all the, all the bands too on, on bad times, like they're not the cookie cutter, like, like not one band. I, I think it, it's easy to lump in. It's, you know, ska punk and ska and punk rock. Like it's, it's all the bands are so different. Like, um, like a band like Kill Lincoln, like a band like Omnigon, and, and then like a band like We Are the Union. You can't. I, I think they're you know they're worlds apart in a yeah. lot of ways. Like with the sound and you, you know like listening to a song, the vocals, just all that stuff's completely different for all three bands. And then adding a band like Catbite and Suicide Machines and Jay Navarro and the Traders and Thirsty Guys. It's like so much. All this stuff's so different, and it all yeah. like just fits in because it's you know it's like that DIY like. And I don't know, like, like from being from the Bay Area, you talked about Gilman Street, like that. How important of a scene is that? And and I, I is it is it one of the things you think like being a part of that Bay Area? Like how how has that influenced you as a musician and everything? Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, I moved I moved seventy miles north from Gilroy to the East Bay because you know Link eighty resonated with me so much. Like my first time seeing Link eighty as just a fan blew my mind like here were these kids who were maybe you know a couple of years younger than me i when i joined the band i ended up being the old guy at freshly 21 years old <laughs> but our, our age ranges at that point were 16 to 21 and just watching this band just play this like hardcore style of punk rock and ska was you know, really, really cool, you know, especially cause especially at that time and not to say that people shouldn't have fun when they play ska music, but it was all like fun music. Like it was just like, yeah. you know, flat planet would play, played like a barn show with the hippos. And I was like, this is fun. Like I'm having fun dancing around, but like seeing the way that link 80 was doing it, I was like, all right, that's the way I want to do it. Like I want like the, group sing-alongs and the like breakdowns and moshing that go along with the like skanking around and having fun yeah i i think for me too like like link 80 was one of those bands when i first got into sky i came through like the punk you know i got into punk and was into punk for a few years and then discovered ska and then you know bands it was literally like Op- operation ivy link 80 against all authority a lot of those early asian man Mm-hmm. compilations with like skank and pickle i i kind of discovered all that at once and yeah. that that's that stuff resonated with me and made me what want to learn about it more and like i got fully into scott from those so the, the link 80 to me was also like an entry band for and i think it was for a lot of people like because it was so different at the time and it had this power it had the intensity of punk rock but then it had horns and yeah. breakdowns and group vocals like all that stuff and and it's and yeah it's it's crazy and i'm sure for you it was probably surreal to to even have an opportunity to join link 80 too yeah at some i mean point. yeah it was so weird to wind up 
joining that band and uh you know the really hard part of it was you know i joined the band when nick was still in the band and uh, was expecting us you know to go forward like that and then he he quit in the middle of tour or left the band in the middle of tour and then literally a month later he was dead and then it was like okay well i've already kind of gone full in on this you know i feel like backing off now is just admitting failure so just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and eventually got got it to a place where we had ryan on vocals and i thought he did a great job um but you know it was it was one of those things where it was you know you you buy into it with one with one idea in mind and then it completely shifts on you and we still made something good of it but um i understand why some people like the early version of link 80 as opposed to the later version of link 80 but i also think there's a lot of people out there who think they saw link 80 with nick and they saw link 80 with ryan <laughs> they just don't yeah. know um i mean yeah. ryan ryan literally had people come up to him and say hey nick great set at the end of our shows and he would be yeah. like oh you need to sit down <laughs> i'm gonna have to tell you something um oh my god so it was weird you know so going back to those asian man comps on on this misfits of ska 2 there's this song by this band called absence called power and it's just the most like ridiculously hardcore like <laughs> with like kind of rappy vocals over the top of it um they're so good and yeah. i've since like reached out to i never got to see them play but i've reached out to the members through social media now and like told them how much i care about their band and they're all like wow thanks and then on on the last tour that we just did with jay navarro and the traders um i had my battle vest was hanging up on the other side of the green room and jay just goes how the fuck do you have an absence patch Cause I haven't, I've, and I was like, Oh, it's custom. I literally like had somebody make me a custom absence patch so I could put it on my, on my battle vest. That's awesome. Where, where were they from? Were they from California? No, they're from Wisconsin. I want to say, Oh wow. They're from somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. And huh, I, that's, all that's I knew so... about them was that one song. And then years later I found the whole record on somebody had uploaded it to the internet. And it's just yeah. the weirdest record. Like I, I've played it for other people and I think it's the shit. And they're just like, dude, this sounds like it's being played by cavemen. Like, I don't get this. <laughs> How'd you end up with so much power?
what's funny, like those compilations too, they had, you had so much different stuff on there. Like you had a band, probably like the P I, I think on Misfits too, you had like a band like the Peacocks who yeah. were like a rockabilly band. And I think and they, Link they, 80 they played with the Peacocks a ton in Europe. Yeah. They were, they yeah, were from Sweden or somewhere mm-hmm. in Europe. I, yeah. I want to say, but, and then you had a band like the independence and you know, stuff yeah. like there's so much different stuff on there that, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I think those compilations too, like, like, I, you miss stuff like that. And I think bad times, some of their compilations, it, it kind of brings me back to some of those, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. Both of the, both of those comps that, uh, bad time put out, I feel like are very, very similar to the, the Miss, Mrs. The Ska comps in, in yeah. tone. And it's funny too. Like, so you have, you have connections, to, you're friends with Mike Park too, from mm-hmm. Asian man records. And, um, I guess, I guess he's posting some stuff about link 80. Do you, do you have any, is that going to be like a new thing he's going to do in, in the recent? Oh, I think I know he's been it's, reissuing. Yeah. It's just oh. reissues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's probably a little too early to say, but, but like, uh, we're reissuing 17 reasons. And also, so here's the thing. I have the master tapes for both 17 reasons and struggle continues. Um, there's issues with the struggle continues master's tapes, um, just through like mishandling, but the 17 reasons masters are great. And I had them all, uh, dumped recently to, from this arc, you know, whatever the archaic medium they were on look like little, like mini DV tapes. Um, the guy told me what they were. They were something that <laughs> was very hard to transfer. Um, not dat tapes, but something else weird. And so I have digital files of all of 17 reasons. Well, actually it's not even all of 17 reasons. That's the problem. They recorded it at two different studios. So I have about yeah. three quarters, two thirds of 17 reasons. But the cool thing about it is there's stuff on there that nobody's ever heard. Um, there's alternate versions of, of verbal Kent, um, an alternate version of burning down. There's just, bits where you can just hear them talking between songs, which to me, that's the most kind of precious thing. Like there's a part at the end of one of the songs where they finish the vocal take and Nick just goes, Hmm, three and three quarter stars at the end of it. Um, there's a part where you can hear Matt Bettinelli and Adam P just fighting. And then the tape cuts, like you can just hear them and be like, I'm so fucking sick of you. And then the other guy says something back and then the tape cuts. Um, so the current, the current re-release of 17 reasons will just be the same re-release that Mike's done the last couple times, but, uh, I'm hoping the next time around I can talk him into adding some content to it, uh, just cause I've got all that stuff now and it'd be really cool to have somebody remix it and remaster it. And then, uh, the other thing is every time Mike has... Every time Mike has repressed 17 Reasons, the CD and the record were different. The CD has Jennifer's Cafe on it, which I think is kind of the worst Link 80 song. And um, the record originally had a song called Those Days, which is a really dope Link 80 song. So every time he's re- repressed it, he's repressed it from a CD <laughs> without realizing it. And um, it doesn't have those days on it it says yeah. those days i, on I always had i had the record so i only yeah. i always had the record so yeah so yeah you have the you have the superior version then um <laughs> but 
yeah, I'm hoping that the next time he represses it. And also, uh, through mishandling, like the art file uh, for 17 Reasons no longer says 17 Reasons on the front of the record. It just says Link 80. Um, so he needs to get that fixed. Also, I was talking to Matt Bettinelli, and there's a completely alternate layout for 17 Reasons that got nixed at the last minute. They decided to use that picture of Nick jumping instead. But there was originally a cover that they'd done at like one of those photo booths where they had taken a bunch of pictures of themselves inside of photo booths and that originally like the layout was going to be like a grid of photos of all the band oh wow yeah um i think the iconic picture of of nick jumping at a southern season show is a is a better picture yeah probably but or a or more iconic picture um, but I'd still like to, in some way, include the other one. Maybe like a gatefold where it would have like the regular cover on one side and the alternate cover on the inside. Yeah, that'd be so cool. I, I know, I know. He, he just, I, I literally just got the slapstick uh, reissue today, so I was super excited about that because I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is. I, I never had this on vinyl. I don't even know if it was released on vinyl. I just had the CD. I don't think it, it ever was. was. Yeah. It was, yeah, just it was crazy listening listening to it today. I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I never know I needed this on vinyl until until Mike posted it, and now it's like, it's amazing." You know? Yeah. You know what's really upsetting is uh, I played so Flat Planet played a show in Mike Park's apartment with uh, it was Monkey's first show. It was uh, Mut Thirty played, Skank and Pickle played, and apparently Slapstick played, and I missed him. Oh, you missed out on some history there too. That's I don't. I think it was because the horn players needed to go home and go to work. We left during Monkey's set, and I think Slapstick played after Monkey. Oh wow! Skang and Pickle played first. That was like their favorite move to do. Was like Mike would just like be like, "Oh, we'll just go first, get us out of the way." Um, do you hear about Mike getting his car stolen? Yeah, well, that's I was going to mention that you you were also you also helped Mike out a few like was it two days ago or something? Uh, yes, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. today's Tuesday. Um, yeah, uh, he called me and I thought he was just calling about Lingati stuff, so I, I let it go to voicemail because I was in the middle of having uh, lunch with some friends. And then we finished lunch and I was looking at my phone and I saw that Asian Man Records was uh, doing a live stream on Instagram, so I was like. I don't know what's happening. And then I see the Mike's stuck in the parking lot at the A's stadium uh, in Oakland, a couple blocks from where I live. Car had been stolen. Oh, my so, God. Uh, I was crazy. like, oh, crap. So I called him real quick and was like, dude, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll come get you guys. So I picked up Mike and, and his and his kids and uh, his wife and drove him home. That's so nice of you, Adam. <laughs> that's so like... Uh... I mean, it's just the thing to do, right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's car, part of being part of being friends and i've had i when i had a car in oakland and i lived in oakland i had my car stolen twice it's just kids in oakland that don't have anything better to do it's real easy to steal a car yeah and you just drive it around until it runs out of gas yeah. and then you just leave it on the road so his car will show up in a couple days it's only been two days yeah. give it give it another week and a half it'll show up the last time my second my last time my car got stolen it showed back up and it didn't run and it was covered in graffiti. Oh wow! So I just I had to just I had AAA and I just had it towed to my parents' house and I let them deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's 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 crazy. Uh, 
but yeah, it's well, it's like I, I don't know, Mike. Mike, it just I've I've had limited interactions with him, but he's always mm-hmm. been the nicest person. Like, um, we we were uh, he chose our band for one of his like the underground screams. Oh yeah, I love that comp. Yeah. What was your band? Yeah, uh, Ready Steady Go. Okay, cool. Did the song called Broken Heart, kind of organ and stuff, and uh, he he actually had us play with him next time he was on East coast in Baltimore and DC. Uh-huh. And, uh, he helped me, uh, interview Jesse Michaels years ago for nice. like, a website I was writing for. So he's always, anytime I've met him, he's always, he's always doing favors for people. He's so nice. At, yeah. You know, being part of the community and always helping out people. And he, he helped us with our Scott dad's, um, uh, shirt campaign we did. Um, it's, been almost over a year now but uh yeah he was he offered he allowed us to use the asian man records logo on the shirt and we gave we we raised money for like a a music charity for for schools and uh yeah he posted the shirt and he was he was on board from day one with it and as soon as we sent the email to him he's like yes this sounds like a great idea you can use it my logo and send me a shirt and he you know time i got grounded in high school was for uh lying to my parents and going to see skank and pickle on a sunday i told them i was at a friend's birthday party and we all we did go to the birthday party but then we all went to skank and pickle and then i came home soaked in sweat my parents were very upset um but that was my introduction to skank and pickle going to see uh going to see mike play and then um later just becoming friends um and he was the officiant at my wedding. Oh so, wow! Yeah, went full circle. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I one of the things I too I wanted to just ask you about too was was um like I I saw one of your posts uh, recently after after you guys did some you know I think it was after the bad times tour you you talked about being like the first tour that everyone in the band everyone in the band is was um not drinking it was straight edge for yeah. the tour like and I know and I've heard you talk about you know being straight edge on the show. And you mentioned it earlier in this interview as well. Um, but like, um, you know, like as I, I, I've sort of, uh, you know, it was kind of funny to me. I've, I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've seen a lot of my friends in the scene, like kind of like, I think everyone has kind of like, not necessarily gone straight edge or say they're straight edge, but just like sort of like make those decisions in their life to drink less and, or not yeah. drink at all. And I think that's, I think that as, as people get older, you start to see that and you're like, man, like this is something that's um, not working. And, mm-hmm. um, I, and I, I've had my perspective change on it probably in the last like 10 years myself. And I've seen, you know, people struggle with things and it's like, Oh man, like if, if, so I, I don't know. I was just thinking about like, I don't know, like what, have have you always been straight edge? Was it something like you came across at one point and said, I'm going to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up Mormon. And then, so by the time I was like 
starting to play punk rock, uh, I was getting kind of out of being Mormon and I hadn't drank or smoked or done anything drugs growing up. And then just kind of fell into the straight edge thing where it was like, Oh, I don't do that. So I guess I'm straight edge. Like that's fine. Um, I don't have any desire to do this stuff. And I've just seen it kind of wreck other people's lives. Yeah. And you know, it just snowballed from there. Like, and I'm not like hardline about it or anything. Like I have friends who drink, I have friends who've been drug addicts. Um, my friends who are drug addicts. Um, but it's just not something that I want in my life. And also it's just having been in a band where half the band was straight edge and half the band was not straight edge. Um, it's much easier to navigate being in a band when no one's drinking or if they are drinking, it's like a drink. Like when we did the tour with mustard plug and bucko nine, um, Andrew from flying raccoon suit was on tour with us playing trombone and then bass after Barry caught COVID. He was the only member of the band that drank and he only got drunk one night and, and all he did was just fall asleep so it wasn't even like a big deal. Like I noticed as we were walking back to the van that he was like kind of stumbling and I was like, Oh wait, Andrew's Andrew's drunk. And then he just fell asleep in the van. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but then also just, you know, Barry, Barry used to drink really heavily. He drank since he was 14 and smoked cigarettes. And in the last couple of years, he got sober, stopped smoking He's, he's California sober. He smokes weed to go to sleep at night, but he doesn't do it like around. He doesn't do it to like party. Um, so California sober. But uh, he regrets a lot of that time. Like we'll talk about stuff that we did and he'll be like, I have to take your word for it. I don't remember, which is really sad because we got to do all this really cool stuff. And I have all these great memories of things we did together and, a lot of the time, Barry doesn't remember it. Yeah, um, I, th- yeah I think that's like you know, like I, 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 I've definitely have seen that with people as well. And I think you know, I don't know, being someone who's done a lot of booking and managing in bands too, it's just like it's so much easier when people, you know, are just in control of themselves, and you know, it just makes things easier. I think at times, you know, with with just dealing with everyone's schedule and life in general, like. Um, yeah, I just I just thought it was interesting. I wanted to just like you know talk to you about it and see sure. see see hear your perspective about it. And uh, yeah, I, I had a couple people come at me online pretty angrily about posting about being in a straight edge band, and and like take issue with me. Like they felt like I was throwing the people who were in Link eighty who did drugs or do drugs under the bus, and that's not the case at all. Like they all know. Like we argued a lot about being straight edge and, and be, being drug users. And we're at a place now where like, I know who in the band still does drugs and I accept them for who they are. And it's not a matter of that. I think I'm better than them or anything. It's that I understand. And I think they understand too, that it's easier to function when you're not dealing with that. So, but yeah, I had a couple of people come at me pretty angrily and, and heated and I just, 
deleted the comment. I was like, yeah, okay. Well, people, people, people will come after anyone for saying anything, you know, to, at the yeah. same time. It's, it's and that, that's the things. thing too, is like, I, I responded to it. Like at first I saw somebody comment and I was like, this person's probably just wants to get in a fight. And I was like, mm, I'll try to respond and, and maybe this will be fine. And then they just exploded at me and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to delete this. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Well, well, Adam, I, I really appreciate having you on. It was great to chat with you. Are, are you are you doing? Are you coming over for the Supernova stuff? I know. Yeah, in defense of ska is hosting the second feed on uh, the Supernova live feed. So if you want to buy yourself a uh, anybody out there in Internet Land wants to buy the stream, you'll get a second stream uh, with commentary from Aaron and I. We'll also be doing uh, interviews with bands between between sets. That's I'm not awesome. totally sure of all the uh, logistics of it yet, but I know that we have our hotel rooms booked and our flights booked, so we're going. That'll be fun, yeah. I mean, yeah. Are, are you? Are you? I, I know you're not performing per se, but I'm sure. I'm sure since you'll be there, you might, you know, get called up on stage at least for something. You know, I hope so. I thought about. I wasn't sure if. Let me get your opinion on this. I'm already going to be there. There's guaranteed going to be somebody who's going to cancel. Should I just put it out to the people who run the event? Hey, if somebody cancels, can you just let me know so we can fly our bass player out? Cause yeah, yeah. They already had, uh, I think, I, we, we had Tim on from Supernova. Um, I, he's in Virginia, so it's yeah. fairly close. I see him around at a lot of local stuff. But um, yeah, you should send him a message. I, I think they had an issue with Don Letts coming. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Oh, no, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, they, they replaced his... Um, his spot on the lineup with like Vic Ruggiero and um, uh, Ace of um, Grace of Spades, who's a DJ from New York. So nice, good. Yeah, good, but good. I, you know, I'm sure something. You know, I think of a lot of people coming from out of town, out, out of the country, even. So you know, you never know. So I would, I would actually send them a message and say, you know, but t- Tim and April are great people, and um, yeah. Have you, have you have you ever been out to the Supernova before? I haven't. No, it looks it looks yeah. awesome though. So. Yeah, you should send him a message. I'm sure, like, if if all you need is your bass player, because Brent's going to be there, right? Yeah, Brent will already be there. Mike's played guitar with us before. Mike's played bass with us before, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll have enough people out there to fill out a band if if, uh, they needed to fill a slot. Yeah, you should send a message. I'm sure sure they keep you in mind, and they have some pre-parties and post-party stuff planned, so... I'm, I'm, sure, coming, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's room for Omnigon on it. Come on, you know? That'd be, that'd be cool. Are you going? Uh, I'm actually... I, I I want to, but I have... It's 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 not a good time of the year for me to like take off. So gotcha. I, I bought the live stream. So I'll be, I'll be watching the right, Defense cool. of Ska channel and uh, the regular channel flipping back and forth. So nice. looking forward to, to see you guys interview some people. And uh, What about Fest? Are you going to Fest? I, I've never been to Fest. Uh, oh, that's a, great. I, I know you got you guys play you guys have played a few times right twice now yeah yeah so this year will be our third year uh, coming up and uh, yeah I'm really excited about it fest was something I'd always wanted to do but link 80 ended literally the year that fest started so yeah. I never had the opportunity before and it seems like too it's a big bad times hub too like a lot of the bad times uh, bands play that play that pretty frequently and it's, yeah this this year catbite and kill lincoln aren't doing it which is kind of a bummer but everybody else is yeah well that that'll be fun when, when is it? that's in the summer right uh no it's uh, right it's uh the weekend before halloween okay so in october well that's yeah. cool that's something to check out too um 
So the, is that? Have you guys been on the East Coast a lot? Because it seems no, just fast. Um, just fast. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna try to get out to the East Coast soon, and we also have studio time booked for uh, our third record. So the next couple months are gonna be kind of busy. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like I feel like Against the Rest just came out, and I feel like a lot of people don't even know it's out, and we're already thinking about the next record. Yeah, I, I really, I really, I listened to it like from start to finish today just before our interview just because I, I like to just and it's and it sounds a lot it's it's definitely more ska than the previous than the first release so yes I, yeah, there's, I, there's songs I like on the first record that are just straight up punk songs yeah yeah and I, but I, I i like both of them i like i've listened to i listened to the first one when it first came out um because i i you know i i knew it had members of link 80 i i wasn't that familiar with you um before then but um I was like, oh yeah, this is good stuff, and, and, and everything else on Bad Time was pretty awesome. So I was like, I'll check it out. And um, but uh, like this, the, the latest album too. You have a lot of guests on the album as well, right? Like you have people, Tara's on it, and yeah, Tara's on it. My friend Volley from Van Tana Row was on one of the songs. Uh, Duck from Joystick is on a song. Uh, Mike Mike Sasinski and Eichler's both did uh, gang vocals on the record. Uh, Joey yeah, Bustos, Eichler's is awesome. I he's he did a. a, a a remix with a, a buddy of mine uh, from Baltimore in a band called the Upstarters with uh-huh. uh, Jay Tremba and uh, yeah, their their collaboration on on the track is all awesome and yeah, yeah, I definitely dig all all the stuff from Bad Times and even like the outside of Bad Times, like the bands, different bands they play with. It's it's a whole universe of of different creative like outlets and stuff. Yeah, Ike lives Ike lives about the same distance into Oakland as mike does in alameda from me so we make like a triangle oh wow like (laughs) so like uh, we've done stuff together we're all drive and go get you know eichler's first and then go over to mike's um it's really cool having those guys nearby especially because russ grew up around here but then moved to salt lake city for a couple years so i'd been missing him i've known i've known uh russ or eichler's whatever you want to call him i've known him for literally half his life I met oh, him when wow. he was 15 and he's 30 now. So. <laughs> well, well, Adam, it's, it's been awesome t- chatting with you. And, yeah. Uh, thanks. I, I don't get to have a lot of other podcast hosts, uh, you know, on, on this show. So yeah. it's, it's great to have you. And I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, when I started the Scott ads, um, podcast, it was kind of like, I was hearing like the stuff you guys were doing and the stuff horn pod was doing. And I was like, Oh, I can, I can do this. I can, I know people and I know how to talk and, uh, I DJ and uh, you know it was like something that was like oh I, I want to I think I could add a unique twist to it so yeah um, but yeah I appreciate having you on and uh, thanks thanks for having me on I, I gotta say uh, I wish that there was a there was a podcast called the Skacast uh, that a guy named Alejandro uh, did and uh, he stopped doing it I wish he would do it again because uh, he would have a lot of like the LA bands on and a lot of like the Latin American bands on. Uh, there are a couple episodes that were completely in Spanish, so I, I couldn't do those because I'm not bilingual uh, fluently. But it was a great podcast. He just got busy with his band, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like uh, it. It seems like every creative outlet is doing podcasts, like from comedy, uh, wrestling, so many music podcasts. But it's just like a, the whole podcast industry is just—it's just—it's booming, and people people enjoy it i I don't know if it's like the 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 tones of the people like the 
you can do other stuff while you're listening to them. It uh, helps you get you through the day, but it's, I think, I think a lot of people that, you know, listen to them because it it feels good to have people around you talking and they're talking about something familiar. I think it's the comfortability of a podcast that kind of like brings, bring people together. And it's interesting. I, I didn't think like I had, I would have as many people listening as I do. And it's like, wow, this is, this is really like a community upon itself. And it's, you guys are kind of, I think one of the bigger ones, you guys have a Patreon and, it's a pretty cool uh, thing you guys you guys I'm, have I'm really surprised by how well our podcast is doing and it's <laughs> been really really fulfilling and um, I appreciate all the work that Aaron puts into it and the fact that he has a, a background in journalism and so he knows how to format the questions he knows how to make an outline that we don't even share with the guests but then they end up usually following that outline without us <laughs> prompting them which is wild and uh he's really good at at reaching out to guests and scheduling things i feel kind of guilty sometimes i mean i do do a lot of the graphic design stuff and the and the advertisements um but uh hats off to aaron all all the work that he does on it he's great Yeah, that's awesome and it's it's cool to hear you guys the chemistry you guys have had since you've known each other for such a long time to have that with someone and doing the cop doing the podcast with you know, oh can i tell one funny story before we sign off really quick? yeah yeah so uh aaron and i went to the uh, ajj open mic eagle show because they guest listed us and so we got to hang out with them and oh and my friend liz rose who used to do sound at gilman and is now the sound person for jawbreaker and rancid she was what? there uh working for ajj and so i got to catch up with her and that was awesome but here's the funny part of the story so during open mic eagle I'm watching the show. I'm, I'm vibing from the back of the room. And this woman comes up to me and goes, goes, Hey, you're Adam. And I thought it was somebody who recognized me from music. No, it's a mom who recognized me from a birthday party. Her niece was like one of my favorite kids at the preschool co-op that we went to this little girl named Luca. And she goes, Oh, I knew, met you at Luca's birthday party. I said, like, Oh yeah. I miss her. Blah, blah, blah. And I kind of think that's going to be the end of the conversation. Like, okay, thanks. And I go back to watching Open Mike Eagle. And then I go find Aaron later. And this woman finds me again. And she starts talking to me. And I just kind of get stuck in this conversation with her. And I'm like, okay, I don't know where this is going. And then eventually her boyfriend comes over. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm here because my boyfriend is uh, you know, the godfather of, of nerd, nerd rap or something. And I'm just like, okay. And it ends up being this guy, MC Frontalot who Aaron and I, when we were in Narboots, uh, our weird electro band, uh, we played a show in Santa Cruz opening for MC Frontalot. And we decided it would be funny for it to be his birthday that day. It wasn't his birthday, but we bought him a giant sheet cake, wrote happy birthday MC Frontalot, played our set. Halfway through our set, we just break. We had two guys stand up with a big happy birthday banner. And we brought him up on stage and we made him blow out the candles on his birthday cake and sang happy birthday to him. And so this guy comes up and we both just go, it's MC Frontalot. And so we're like, yeah, man, we, we made it your birthday that day. And he's like, yeah, thanks. That was super embarrassing. And so it was this like great moment of us like not knowing where this conversation was going and then us deciding where this conversation was going. We were like, oh, this is that guy. 
That's funny. I was like, see you later. The best was she kept calling him his, yeah, she kept calling him his actual name, which I think is Damien. And and when I said goodbye to him, I was like, see you later, front a lot. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to use your real name. I'm using your real name. (laughs) That's great, man. That's funny. And it's it's funny, like uh, the Narboot stuff, I've never really, I, I've heard you mention it before, but it, 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 I've seen pictures, I think it was in Aaron's book, of pictures of the group, and it just looks so different than, than everything yes, else you've been involved it, with, right? Speaking, like we were talking a little bit about, about cults before, it was, it was also very cult in form. Uh, <laughs> we did a lot of like very culty type activities. The recorded music doesn't do it justice. Like the live show was paramount for for Narboots. And it just got to be, you know, we had kind of already taken a little bit of a break. And then when the pandemic hit, like we definitely weren't going to be doing it. And then when things started to open up, we were just like, I don't feel comfortable getting in people's faces and screaming. <laughs> so I'd like to revisit it at some point just because as a live entity like narboots was great and uh was not like anything and part of me wants to bring some of that narboots energy to yeah i've heard you mention that like the the parachute or something yeah we had a big we have a big giant (laughs) parachute that everybody gets under that parachute i actually bought from the cult straight up uh it used to belong to uh the latitude people i bought it at a garage sale and uh who owned it before them? Was it another cult? Like, is it? Is no, it like I think they they bought it wholesale. Yeah, they yeah. they bought a bunch of these, <laughs> and then they did this. Uh, they did this seminar where people were getting underneath parachutes and you know laying down on the ground and like putting their hand over their heart and doing all this like actually really culty stuff. And um, <laughs> but we you know we just make everybody get under it and dance. And then I remember we played this show at Gilman. It was it was a. Um, a green day comp everybody covered songs off of dookie and we did this really dirgy version of when i come around and everybody was punk bands at this show so everybody's playing their green day cover and then like four or five more songs because everybody has like a 15 minute set our song is like seven minutes long we drag this song out <laughs> to like seven minutes and I decide to put the parachute inside this giant wrapped present. And then like halfway through the song, I like hand it to the audience and they rip it open. And then the parachute spreads over the top of the audience. And then, you know, we only have, you know, a couple of minutes left. So we just played this song called dance party where it's just like this German voice going, nah, boots dance party. And then we just pulled all these drums underneath the parachute and we're just throwing glitter everywhere. And, <laughs> It was it was great because it was right in the middle of this punk show, so everybody's ears were like tired of loud guitars, and then all of a sudden they're just like, for ten minutes they were at like a weird rave. Yeah, it's like a euphoric uh, moment. I th- it yeah, and then like it went it. back to a punk show after that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think the, I think the ska and the the new tone movement and bad times. You, you guys need more parachutes. I think that's the only thing that uh, I could see that I could see that working now. Yeah, you know, I might have to break out the parachute. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, thanks again. And I, I'll make sure to post a link to, to the new album. But I, you know, if anyone wants to follow you, the easiest way is to go to Omnigon's Instagram. Facebook yeah, page, we're most active there. Um, you know, Twitter's a burning pile of ash at this point. Uh, or x.com i guess they're gonna call it <laughs> x whatever like yeah. the band right like uh but uh and and then of course um 
in defense of Scott, you can find that on all podcast platforms like Spotify, yeah. Apple Podcast, and and the Patreon as well. What what way do you like to listen to podcasts? I'm I'm Spotify, but I know I I, I feel like they're like an they're, they're raising the rates, and um I feel like yeah, but, into but the machine podcasts don't bit, cost you know? anything anyways. So yeah, on on Spotify, listening to podcasts there is fine because they don't it doesn't shuffle it if you have a free account. Yeah, like the regular music. I've been using Apple yeah, Podcasts I, for forever. Yeah, I, I like I, I have someone Apple, someone Spotify, so I, I guess I can't make a decision. And I, I use Stitcher too, so it's kind of oh wow, uh, you're all over the yeah, place then. All over the place, yeah, very disorganized, but it works for me. All right, Bob, <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me on here, Scott Dad's yeah, forever. Ha- have a good evening. Yeah, thanks. Adam. Or I should say, Scott Dad's now more than ever. If I'm nothing new, I'm looking upon as if I'm just like you.